You're listening to The Human Upgrade with Dave Asprey. Formerly Bulletproof Radio. You're listening to The Human Upgrade with Dave Asprey. Today, we're filming in beautiful Beverly Hills, uh, site of one of the upgrade labs for many years. And this is a chance to talk in person with one of the most sought after celebrity trainers on earth. And when I say celebrity trainer, just like celebrity, we'll say nutritionist, I'm always kind of like, what's your qualifications here, dude? So I went deep before I decided to talk with Jason Walsh. Jason's trained Oscar winners. You've maybe heard of Justin Timberlake or Jake Gyllenhaal and Brie Larson and so many more. 30 years of working in the field, 20 of them in LA with studios saying, you know, this person with this body and this background needs to look this way by this date. How are we going to do it? And so he's got a unique perspective that's from a true expert in the field. And working with celebrities means either that you're good at schmoozing, we'll figure that out, or whether you're actually the best in the field because it's like, are you a vet or do you work on racehorses? And I looked at celebrities and musicians, they're basically human racehorses in that every minute they're spending on stage or performing is really expensive, so the world's best has to work on them. So we have a lot to learn from people who are working in that field and helping celebrities reach whatever their goals are for a specific film or for a specific performance. Uh, because that speaks to biohacking. It's the idea of changing the environment around you and inside of you so you have control of your own biology. You might have heard of Rise Nation or Rise 311, and these are both Jasons. Jason, welcome to The Human Upgrade. It's a pleasure. Thank you for having me. All right. I've always wondered, like when you were 12 years old, you say, Mom, I want to be a celebrity trainer. Like, um, when, when did this come into your universe? Far from Like, How do you even get into that? I, you know, I, it's a great question. And I think that the you know, best justice I can do this is to, to, to kind of give you some background into my history, where I came from, and where I think that these markers really happened in my life. Because I can sit back and think about the certain moments in my life, the crossroads that had such an impact on me that made me into the person that I am today. I never dreamt of being an entrepreneur. You know, I didn't even know what the word meant. Um, I'm from a little town, um, Springfield, Missouri in the Midwest. Did you know Homer Simpson? <laughs> I'm not sure it was the same Springfield. I think that was Springfield, Illinois. Okay, got it. But yeah. I could be wrong. They, they sound the same. Yeah, right? yeah, yeah, right. I have um, no idea. <laughs> you know, I'll take it. No, I'm, I'm, from the, I'm from the same hometown as Brad Pitt. That's where he's from. Okay, cool. It's a good... It's a, Did you guys hang out when you were kids? You no, know, no, but... I did get to meet him and hang out with him uh, in my late teens, which was an interesting story. I've got so many stories. I know I'm going to start rambling today. So if, you, if, you, if I go off on a tangent, just, oh, I'll just, just stop me. Um, no, I think that, that I, I can tell you two stories that I think are very important. Um, and it's a, moments where I really got a glimpse into who I am and my capabilities um, and one of those happened early on. It was like first or second grade, something like that. And uh, I was walking home from school one day. And um, I know this is going to sound self-righteous, but it's a, it's a good story. Um, I was walking home from school one day, and I noticed this kid that was surrounded by these three older kids. This kid was in my class. 
And it's on this like far field, so it was far away from the actual schoolhouse. And um, I don't know. There was just I can tell this kid was petrified. He didn't know what the hell to do. Got these three older kids around him, and you know, I just I didn't think about it. I reacted and I went over and I put myself between him and this, you know, the lead bully, as you'd call him. And you know, the bully, um, you know, he. He went ahead and just started swinging away. But, you know, kids don't really know how to fight. Sure. It's a lot of slapping and scratching and all this kind of stuff. So I don't, I, I just felt it was almost, um, it was this, this moment of, of feeling, it was probably endorphins, but I just felt impenetrable. I felt like mm. I could take anything, you know. And at that moment, when the fight was done, and I didn't fight back because I didn't know how to fight, I just felt, empowered. I just felt incredible from this moment because I knew, you know, I had a decision, but it's really the actions that define who that person is. And I took action. And um, did you get ass kicked? I guess technically, yeah. There were three guys but on yeah, you. You know what? No, it was one, the one guy was the main boy. Oh, okay. you know, he's got the two friends yeah, the pushing him on the yeah. henchmen, right? Um, but that moment really started to define and it had a ripple effect through the, my whole life. You know, mm-hmm. it's something that just kind of gate, it, it turned that switch on, you know? Um, and I gained a best friend from that. You know, the kid that, that, that I saved, we became best friends and his name's Trevor. And, uh, I think about that time often because, you know, it's something that still impacts me to this day. Wow. Yeah. It was powerful. It feels like a lot of guys today have never been in a fight. Like a huge number. There's a lot of, of guys that need to be slapped, but I'm just, that's my opinion. You know, you're, you're not wrong. <laughs> you know, I, I've been in that situation with actually up to eight kids around me. Yeah. Um, fortunately, being the tallest one and relatively obese, um, I had physics on my side. So <laughs> I, I would sit on them. Yeah. Um, it but helps. It, it does help. It does I mean, help. You're, you're a big guy too. But it's, it's funny how much bullying um, it affects people way later in life. I, I see it all the time. It does. People are going through uh, 40 years of Zen. This is you know, my neuroscience program. And one of the guys who came through is, is like, I didn't realize it runs a 1,200-person company. Because, you know, all of my success is because I was bullied. Like, I'm, I'm still trying to prove myself. Absolutely. And he dropped that because it's not a fun way to succeed. It serves you for a little while, yeah, right? Yeah, that anger and like, I'm good enough. Yeah. But it sure is painful to do that for long periods of time. So It I'm, doesn't serve you. I'm beyond that. You know, like, I, I want to evolve into a person that doesn't need that. And I, yeah. for the most part, I'm, I'm getting there. I'm 48 years old and I'm just, I'm getting to the point where it's exhausting. Oh, yeah. It's exhausting, you know? Are you one of those guys like walk, you walk into a room and you're like, I know where all the bad people are. I know where all the exits are. Yeah, you size people up. I mean, you you know, it's. <laughs> I think it can serve you in that way. It's it, but it's also a lot of ego, right? Yeah, yeah. I, I struggle with that, and we'll get into more of the the training stuff. Sure. Part of it is you know you need to you need to be physically fit if you can handle yourself. But I I just did this uh, uh, this thing that included you know four hours of BJJ. Um, including a you know, full contact, full strength uh, each day. Great, you know, run by, and I'm not a, officially trained in that. Uh, run by you know, a bunch of military guys in Texas, uh, which is super cool. And it's called Sheepdog, if you guys are wondering. And the the thing that that got to me was, was some of the guys in there had never been in a fight, and they're our age, and, and they're they, you know, they're rigid. And I've been in way more fights than I'd like to be, and I never right. threw a first punch in my life. Right. But what I what you realize really quickly is who's conditioned and who's not. 
right? Because they run out of energy in, in like five seconds. And then yeah. who's trained and who's not? Because people who are trained don't use any energy to fight. Right. Uh, which is, uh, which is... There's no efficiency. Yeah, it's kind of shocking, the difference. Yeah, yeah and right? it's so exhausting. Like, yeah, and there's like a preparedness that you need that's a physical thing. Right. Right, and then there's the mental thing. And it feels like a lot of people got the mental harm. And what results from that is uh, the mental harm from childhood. If you're hypervigilant because you can't turn it off, then you have a problem. And I used to be that way. You walk into a room like we're all the threats. Right, right. And then you go to one of these classes and they're teaching you to be hypervigilant. Right. But it's not really hyper, it's just vigilant. So there's this mm. interesting sliding scale where right. like, if you're always paranoid, but if you just calmly walk into a room and you assess, okay. Those are, the guy, those are the guys you got to worry about. Yeah. The ones that are calm and cool. Yeah. The ones that aren't shouting, you know, mm-hmm. or making a big scene. Those are the ones that, that you know, I wouldn't mess with. When, when we were doing full contact, um, like we did eight rounds of three minutes, the entire time, I'm like, okay, I can handle whatever. I'm one of the bigger guys that helps. Mm. And then this guy was probably eight inches shorter than me. Like, we kind of got into a sense. And he's pauses and he looks me up and down. I'm like, oh, fuck. This guy's trained. He's a trained right. wrestler. I mean, he took me down. I landed on my face. Yeah. Right. I got my elbow in his neck, which was good. But still, right. like, he kicked my ass up and down the street. Because right. it was the calmness when he just paused and looked at me. When you're mm. like, oh, man, this is going to hurt. Right. But yeah. that's what... Yeah. That's what Brazilian jiu-jitsu is really rooted in, you know, the the, the Gracies. Uh, and mm-hmm. I actually took jiu-jitsu for seven years. Oh, so you're pretty well trained. And I actually rolled with Hoist Gracie. Wow. Who, you know, he chose me to roll with him in front of the class on purpose because I was one of the bigger guys. I was 235 yeah. at the time, you know, big and strong. And he made an example out of me before I knew it, I was passed out. He had my gi wrapped around my neck, you know, and it was, it was pretty, it was, it was humbling. It's needless to say, but that's why that's the beauty of Brazilian jiu-jitsu and how and powerful it is. Um, and now you're combining those sports with, um, you know, Muay Thai and boxing and wrestling. And, you know, these athletes are becoming so multifaceted and very scary kind of people. Um, and, uh, yeah, no, it's, I got to, uh, I got a chance to, 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 to meet some of the jiu-jitsu guys um, when I was training Jake Gyllenhaal for this movie, Roadhouse, that's coming out. And, um, yeah, it's, it's, you, they just have this aura, this, this energy about them. And I used to work with special forces. I've trained some yeah. special forces. Okay. These guys also do that kind of stuff. You know, they're very calm and they're tiny oh, yeah. guys, you know, you, un, unsuspected. When you hear someone talk about blood sugar, you might zone out. That's because a lot of us think that it's only relevant to people with type 2 diabetes. But blood sugar is a topic that everyone should understand. If you want to feel good and have energy, you need to balance your blood sugar. Research shows that even healthy people have wild swings in their blood sugar right after they eat, and spikes in blood sugar make your pancreas work harder. They also make you older, and they put you at a greater risk for weight gain, heart attack, and stroke. Here's why I'm talking about this. Bioptimizers has a new product called Blood Sugar Breakthrough. You take two capsules 15 minutes before a meal. Your body will push carbs and glucose into your muscles for use as fuel instead of fat. That means you get stable energy and you don't have that post-meal crash. Better yet, you can improve your workouts and get better gains at the gym. But the biggest benefit is that it'll improve your overall health. Just go to bloodsugarbreakthrough.health/dave for an exclusive 10% off. People will throw the word superfood around like it means something, and they'll apply it to almost anything. I'm waiting to see superfood kibble for humans. 
But there are real superfoods, and there's one that I've been researching for years with so many health benefits, you almost wouldn't believe it. I first started using it for gut health, and then I figured out that it supports metabolism, hair growth, healthy skin, immunity, and even athletic performance. I'm talking about colostrum. Colostrum is the first nutrition we receive in life and has all the essential nutrients that your body needs to thrive and grow. To get those nutrients, it's important to properly source your colostrum. And that's why I use Armra Colostrum. Armra is a bovine colostrum concentrate that's natural, sustainable, and third-party tested for purity and efficacy. Most colostrums that you might find are heat pasteurized, which depletes nutrients and changes proteins. Armra's process preserves the integrity of 400 bioactive nutrients. It's also been shown to have the highest potency and bioavailability of any colostrum on the market. Since I started taking Armra colostrum, I've noticed a difference in my energy, my fitness, uh, my skin, my gut, especially when I travel. And I like it that I can take one or two or three scoops and I could just take it in my mouth or I can drink it with water and it tastes mild and it really does change the state of my body. It's a potent anti-aging substance. Go to tryarmra.com, T-R-Y-A-R-M-R-A.com. Use code Dave. They'll give you 15% off your first order. People are talking about this a lot online. I've been a fan of colostrum for years. I just couldn't find one that consistently worked. Armra really makes me happy because it does. I think the military probably just decides, like, if they're smaller, they, they can fit more than a helicopter. Maybe. They're efficient. But I've never right. met, like, a, an operator that's super big like I am. Right. Or even like you are. Yeah. Uh, but I think that might just be you can't get in a submarine or something. I, I'm not sure. Maybe. Maybe some of that. But I, I definitely know that it's more about efficiency and the way the body, you know, physically you know, reacts and how people can calm themselves and have those types of powers. It's, it's, it's incredible. Incredible mm. to be around them, you know? like. Yeah. Uh, you know, I trained athletes for years, and um, that was really my background, the strength conditioning. And it's it's easy to train the type of people that have that kind of discipline, the yes, sir, no, sir. It's way easier than training actors who you really have to... A little entitled? Well, it's not... Even, by the way, I, I don't think it's that. That's not the biggest, you know, um, step to get over. It's really to get them to buy in because everybody's trying to sell them something. Everybody's oh. trying to convince them. People are trying to manipulate, take advantage. All the time. These guys have a sixth sense about that, though. They can read that. So I think that's one of the superpowers that I kind of developed throughout the years. Um, you know, and I can root that into, you know, I, bought, I was a bartender for years and years. And I don't know, there's this... There's a certain amount of empathy and compassion and, you know, uh, communication. When you have these types of things and you're, you're backed with science and you have these tools in your tool belt and you're, you're able to present this thing in a way, you know, look somebody in the eye and you tell them, I'm going to get you as stronger than you've ever been, but you've got to listen to me. You've got to have that ability to, 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 to read the room, to, you know, talk to these people, convince them, get them to buy in. It's a bit of a sales process. And, and I, you could see it, yeah, you could see it as a sales process. And then I think that, that, that to me, that's where, where bartending for so long, and my grandmother was a bartender. She was 83 when she was bartending full-time before she That's quit. cool. Amazing woman, right? And, uh, yeah, it's just, it's, 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 it's a different process. It's a very, very uh, complicated and, and convincing um, conversation that you have to have with these guys. Now, when I get to this point, 20 years in, you know, my results and, and what I've accomplished really speak 
you know, loudly as far as my reputation goes. Um, so sometimes that's not the, the problem. But early on, um, I've got some great stories, you know, Matt Damon and people oh, wow. like that, that I had to, it was, it was, um, you know, one of the first times I've really had to convince someone that they're, that I had their best interests and I had the knowledge and I was going to, you know, do things differently than what they were used to because Matt had worked with, you know, a dozen different trainers and every single trainer he told me, he's like, look, this is what we're going to do. I got to get ready for this thing. I'm going to eat some broccoli chicken. I'm going to get on that elliptical which is a piece of shit. Yeah, and you know it's worthless. And and you know I'm going to get skinny and I'm going to look good on film. And I had to have you know this conversation with him and convince him. I just said you know once I put him through a screening and I realized where the deficiencies really were, you know, throughout the body, I picked the easiest deficiency, which was his shoulder, something that had bothered him since he was in his twenties because he played baseball through the football. Sure. You know, so he had a bum shoulder, and I decided to choose that path to convince him mm. that I'm different from everybody else that's out here. I'm going to, you know, I'm going to, the pathology of this is going to be way, very, you know, way different than anything he's ever experienced. And once I was able to fix that shoulder, just because there was an imbalance, it was weak, you know, the stabilizers weren't working and so on and so forth. It's pretty easy, honestly. And, you know, went to the house and threw a you know football at him and he caught it and he threw it back. I just did that just because I knew instinctually he's going to want to throw it. And I looked at him and I was like, how's that shoulder feel? And he's <laughs> like, you son of a bitch. Matt's an awesome guy. I mean, the guy has, he's incredibly talented, number one, very intelligent. He's a family man. You know, I think I learned a lot about, you know, being a father, a good father and a family man being around him because I grew up, with a single mother. She was 17 when she had me. You know, we grew up in poverty, food stamps, those kinds of things. I'm not supposed to be here today. You know, I know that. Come a long way. I know yeah. that, you know, I know that society has things in place to keep people like me from excelling. But these are, you know, this goes back to your friends that you're talking about that, you know, are CEOs of companies. And, you know, you you either use those moments in your life that 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 keep you down, you recognize it. You do something about it. You decide. You have a decision to make, and you have actions to take. You know, and that really separates. You can use that. You know, there's. Like, if I can tell you one more story, um, sure. It, this 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 one was more of a crossroads in my life, and this story, this is a tough one because it was to me this was do or die. You know, this was stay in Missouri and accept what society has given me, or I'm going to do something with my life, and uh, it it. You know, it started, my friends and I, we went to a 24-hour steak and shake in Springfield, Missouri. And uh, these six guys walk in and they started throwing racial slurs at my friend Toby. Um, obviously, he's black. And, um, and you know, Toby, being a cool cucumber, just got up and went over and diffused it. And I was amazed. I was like, how the fuck? You know, these guys, you went up to these six guys and diffused the situation. It seemed to go pretty well. Yeah. Came back over, we're eating. Time goes by, these guys finish eating. And as they go outside, one of the guys kind of steps back real cocky and just says, you know, this really horrendous racial slur. Mm. And Toby, you know, I think that's that was the straw that broke the camel's back. And he dropped his fork and he got up and he went out. And at the time we had these two girls with us, and it was like, I was like, I, you know, I don't want to, I want to get in a fire, I want to go back to the house, you know, you know, exactly. Yeah, two girls with uh, yeah, exactly. So 
I had uh, I had other motives, but I also didn't want Toby to get his ass kicked by these six guys. I'm a big guy, you know. I figure I walk outside and just be like, you know, you guys go on. And I step outside, and before I knew it, I was you know, hit blindside with this. Um, I think it was a tire iron. Jesus Christ! And uh, kill you. And it don't, yeah, nearly killed me. But the guy hit me in the face, and 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 of course I blacked out, and uh, came to, and you know I saw Toby. I'm like, what the hell am I doing out here? And Toby's out there just beating the shit out of all these guys. He flipped out when he saw what happened to mm. me and reacted, and the other guys reacted too. But I knew that I just had to get this guy's you know license plate. So that was the only thing going through my head, and I got the guy's license plate. I walked into the. Uh, Steak and shake, bleeding all over the place. My face, I could see my, um, I could look down with my, my eyes and see my cheek is swollen. Oh. And uh, of course, went to the hospital, x-rays, my face was broken. They said, you could have been killed because they came very close to hitting me in the temple. You know, let's cut to the next day. I get up, walk into the, the restroom. I look in the mirror and I was pissed. I was so mad, you know? It's um, it's sad. I think <clears throat> it gets me when I talk about this. It's just it's disappointing to see what people are capable of, you know. Yeah, it's disappointing. But I use that anger to drown out any and all fear in my life. And at that moment, I decided it flicked the switch, and it was on. This game on, you know. So I made my mind up that I was leaving. <clears throat> and I was going to go to North Carolina and pursue something that I had been wanting to pursue, which was nutrition at the School of Public Health in North Carolina, Chapel Hill. So, you know, after the healing, the surgery, um, which by the way, my face is all pretty much all titanium steel plates from here, so from the maxilla this, through the zygote, wow. the orbital, all this stuff. Whole terminator crushed, thing you know? going on. Yeah, it was a terminator thing. Um, no, I don't, I don't set off the alarms when I go through the... Um, Does it hurt a lot still or is it done? It, it's... There's a lot of nerve damage, so I don't really feel anything. Like when I, I can't feel anything when I go through here and touch. And this, this eye definitely like swells up more than the other one when I'm tired, too much salt. Um, but that moment was, it was critical because I, I think that that was life slapping me in the face and being like, what are you going to do? Mm-hmm. So I use the anger. I drown out all my fears and anything that, that kept me from, you know, pursuing what I was capable of, things that I, you know, I knew that I was capable of. I knew I was a leader. I knew I had, you know, something special inside of me. I just didn't know exactly what it was. So I moved to North Carolina. And within the first year of moving to North Carolina, my dad passes away. Now, if you remember, my mom's single mother. I didn't even know my father until I was, I don't know, nine or ten years old, and. My grandmother called me, and I was at a PJ Harvey concert in, in Atlanta. PJ Harvey, I cool. know. It was so I like good. PJ Harvey. God, yeah. she's so good. But I was there with my best friend, Derek, and I received a phone call. And uh, my grandma was just like, hey, I just want to let you know your dad's dead. And it was just such a weird moment for me. I didn't know how to process it because, you know, I was kind of, I guess, apathetic or indifferent towards my dad. But it was my, the first experience I've had with death. You know, so I didn't know how to process it. So, you know, my my best friend Derek, um, who's like my brother, um, I looked up to him, my older brother, and uh, he's like, "Why don't you come with me, man? I'm going to go to Italy," and I'm like, "Okay," you know, like 
that's, I, yeah. So I put school on pause. I moved to Italy and uh, I got cultured, you know, this kid from Missouri that didn't have any culture whatsoever. It changed everything. That's a, that's a wake up. The world's a little bit different over there. God, it was such a, you know, I, I think that, you know, humans, we are, you know, kind of our brain is rooted in, you know, um, fear and judgment. You know, I think we're born that way in fear and judgment. And the evolution, you know, of our brain is to become compassionate and empathetic. And that, you know, it takes the brain a lot. Something has to trigger that. And me living in Italy gave me that superpower. And man, I was ready. I left Italy. I was there for almost a year with, with Derek. He stayed because he found a girl and uh, went to Germany. And, uh, <laughs> and uh, yeah, I moved back to North Carolina full of vinegar. And, you know, I, was, I, was, I knew exactly what I wanted to do. It was awesome. You know, this, it's just amazing to sit back and, 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 and look at these moments in your life that really, it's opportunity. It's, it's character building. Um, you know, and, and I could see it now, you know, I knew what was going on, came back, I got back, I went back into school, I started bartending full time because I wanted to pay for school as I went, I went to school part time, I got an internship at uh, a strength conditioning program there with the Olympic sports, 450 athletes, here I am, this guy, you know, like my background is just work really fucking hard and do, like find the guys in the gym, I've been working out since I was in seventh grade. Mm-hmm. because of sports. I thought I had a secret. You know, it was like, I was the guy that the coach picked out. He was like, you're talented. Let's make you better. And here's some shitty weights behind the, you know, the, the curtain in the, in the uh, auditorium. Yeah. And when you're done with school, you should go in there and some do Cement things. wrapped in plastic weights. Those ones. Oh, no, no. It was worse <laughs> than that. It was like everything had rust on it and, and you definitely needed your tetanus shot before you went in. But he gave me a, you know, a really rough idea of what I should do. And I just, you know, I worked on a farm when I was in Missouri and I, I value hard work and I love, you know, I love um, um, physical labor. There's just, it's, it's rewarding. It's not efficient, um, but it's rewarding. And it, it teaches you a lot about yourself. These are, you know, moments that, 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 you know, and tools that you'll use for the rest of your life. And, um, you know, working on a farm, working out, realizing that it really propelled me, you know, and what my capabilities were. I could hit the ball out of the park, you know, I could, I could knock the snot out of, guy, out, of, out of the guy, you know, if we tackled football, mm-hmm. you know, it just kind of gave me that superpower. And there was just, it, it, it was something that started that discipline. Discipline is amazing if it's used well. And I, you know, yeah, I think that's where the discipline started for the training. And then getting into the strength conditioning program just started building that foundation. And I was a hard worker. And why did I do well? Because I empathized with the players. I got in the trenches with them. I worked out with them. I looked like the guy they wanted to look like. But athletes aren't necessarily you know, physically um, in, in that great of shape. But they're strong. And they move really well. Um, football players, you know, they, they have that, that look, you know, they can do anything they want to do and, um, they have that physicality, mm-hmm. you know? So yeah, North Carolina happened. Um, it was amazing. I worked under Greg Gatz, who's, you know, produced 
a lot of national champions, the women's soccer team, so on and so forth, baseball team. It's just, it was an incredible environment, but it, I knew that there was a very low glass ceiling working there, you know? So I started searching out, you know, people in the hierarchy of, of, of uh, strength conditioning, strength coaches. And I found Luke Richardson, um, who lived in Arizona, and he invited me out. And so I quit my job as a strength conditioning coach. And I went back into volunteer work, working with Luke, because I wanted the knowledge. Mm-hmm. You know, that level of knowledge is just, he worked with professional football players, special forces. I mean, the guy was, he, I mean, he was God to me. Wow. So apprenticeship is something that matters. You know, people reach out to me and they always, they're, they're like, well, I want to do what you do. And I'm like, Find your nearest strength um, um, college, go talk to the strength coach, get in there and get some reps. I mean, nothing's going to teach you, you know, school, you, you, you learn the science, you learn how to apply the science, um, working, um, you know, in a strength conditioning program or something like that. You know, um, I think it takes a long time to develop wisdom and, and experience. And those are things that are always going to serve you, you know, especially if you get to the level that I'm at. Um, you know, I think people read and, and they understand that I have that. I've been you know, doing this for 30 years, um, 20 years in L.A. And, and uh, you know, it's something that it's 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 important. It, it's kind of funny. Um, I remember when I was like maybe 25, I got my first corporate job in, you know, Silicon Valley. Right. It's a company called 3Com, if you guys remember that. You probably don't. But they were a big deal in the mid-90s if you had a, if you had a modem. And, <laughs> modem? Totally yeah. right. Remember those? Amazing. Uh, and within like six weeks of being there, I'm applying for a director-level job. Wow. Right. Well, I mean, the VP was like, who, who do you think you are? Which I think she was more polite than right. that. Right. Uh, but... Uh, I did that because, like, I didn't know what I didn't know. I'm like, well, I'd want to be great. It turns out I've had a pretty damn good career in Silicon Valley. Mm. But it took, you know, a few more years. Actually, not that many more years. But I just needed to understand the lay of the land. I needed to have, and I did find really good mentors and people who would just give me advice. Yeah. And it kind of drives me nuts. Now people are like, well, you know, you just came out of nowhere. I'm like, do you know how many great managers I worked for and all the different stuff that went into it? And it seems invisible. So, so when someone who's your know, 19-year-old comes up to you and says, I want to be you, it took you 30 years to be you. And it took you really, it sounds like 10 years right. to be the you that could even function in Hollywood, right? Yeah. Okay. I mean, I won't pretend that, you know, my, my route to where I'm at today is the most efficient. You yeah. know, I think, you know, honestly, we live in a world where everybody wants to lie, cheat, and steal and take all the shortcuts that they can. No, and kidding, it worries right? me to get to, you know, certain positions. And I've had people that have, I brought on to come work for me that are really taken advantage of the situation. Happens and it all the time. happens. It's all right. They have to live with that. You know, I took the long road. Yeah. You know, I built this thing. Um, I came to LA and I wanted to be a pioneer. You know, I, I, I brought the phrase, you know, train like an athlete, you know, back in 2005, nobody was talking about that or doing that or making those kind of applications. And it's what set me apart. I knew I had to find something that's going to set me apart. I had that knowledge and, and you know, expertise of, of being a strength coach. So that's going to separate me. I'm going to fix people. I'm going to work on foundational things that nobody was addressing. When I came to LA, I went and looked at what other people were doing. And it was just, it was like, okay, I get it. 
I know where I'm at. I know what my capabilities are, what my intentions are. You know, I, I put people first. My, my uncle bought me this book that has, that I still I'll go back and read once in a while. You've heard of Yvonne Chouinard, uh, the guy, the CEO, the owner, the creator of uh, Patagonia. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Got it. He had this book that he made for his employees and it was more of a philosophy thing and it, and it kind of went, uh, went crazy. And, and I just, I don't know, man, that reading that book when I came out here, my uncle gave me that book and it had a very big impact. And I knew that, you know, if I, if I focused on integrity, I knew what I'm capable of. I know what I can do for people. The foundation for me was integrity, putting people first, letting, you know, the, my, my, my results and the things that I'm capable of doing speak for themselves. And that's what has propelled me. It's been an organic, you know, a chain of events that's gotten me to this point. Um, in 2007, with the economic crisis, you know, I've been out here for two years and, you know, building my reputation. Um, but I saw an opportunity. I mean, I think everybody was scared to death because of, you know, we we're in a recession. But I knew it was my opportunity to get my own space and brick and mortar. And I took this, um, it was a retail shop and I had this office space above it. And I, I converted that into my first studio. And I wanted to create a space that was safe for my, the, 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 you know, the clients that I was training. When you say safe, you mean like not being injured or you mean like not, not having you know, needles in the street in front? Well, I was renting space out of this gym in Santa Monica. And you know, it's an environment that's not very conducive to the type of people that I'm training because you go in there and everybody's looking over your shoulder or they'll come up and start talking to you. Oh, yeah. Or the actual equipment that they have. Is it really what I want to use? Um, so you need like a private space. I needed a private space and I wanted to create this environment that didn't have, you know, pictures of me with my clients and quotes on the wall. It was just a beautiful, safe space. It was private. Um, we trained like five people at one time. Um, everybody that came through the door, I vetted. I, you know, I wanted to make sure that we didn't let any of the creepy people through the through the doors that wanted to see people or be seen. And and it was it was amazing. Um, but it was risky, you know, it was like, you know, the economic crisis and, and somehow, some way, I mean, I guess if the, uh, the why is big enough, the how is going to figure, you're going to figure that out, you know, and that's what guided me through that, you know, and it was, it was pretty amazing and it just built, it was an organic thing and, you know, wow. and so how, how big did it get? I mean, I mean, I, I I had, I was always on projects, you know, I was, I was always away. My, my job, you know, um, has really taken me to every single continent in this world besides Antarctica. I've been everywhere doing these projects, which is good and bad. I mean, it's a lot of sacrifice, a lot of hard work. And I lost a relationship with someone that I really cared about because I wasn't able to give them what they wanted. I made a lot of mistakes, a lot of mistakes, you know, um, but all of them with good intentions. You know, I, I, I mean, well, I want to do great work and um, I want to inspire people. You know, I have this, I have a gift, a passion, you know, that's how I see it. So you ended up, you had that one location and it, um, is it still open? Like what happened? Well, the, you know, rents escalate and it was just, it's in LA, it's insane. Don't get me started on landlords because I'm not very. I shut down the restaurant I had here for eight, eight years uh, recently. So the 
if not the first, yeah, one of the first places that was all grass fed and everything. Oh. And now you can buy grass fed everywhere. Yeah. Yeah. But um, yeah, it, it was like rents keep going up, and you know, LA yeah. is not the place just, it once was. It, it isn't. It really isn't. It's sad. Um, but no, I moved to um, another space down the road. Um, beautiful space. It's four thousand square feet. Before I had twenty eight hundred square feet. Yeah. It was cute. It was just. It worked. It was great. But I definitely grew out of it. And and you know, the landlord and I didn't really see eye to eye, so I figured it was time to move on. And I've been in this new space for a while. Um, but you know, during that time, I, I really wasn't very fond of, uh, group training, um, or boutique fitness. Um, and I just, I don't know, I, I, I see things differently. I think this is where the entrepreneurial mindset started to really like develop because I had cut my teeth on opening my first studio, get a little cocky, you know, you think you can do anything. And, uh, I, I I decided to open this, or you know, it was a passion project, and um, it was called Rise Nation, um, and it was my attempt at making something that I thought was far superior in the world where group training to me is just like low hanging fruit. It's just not good. But I understand there was something about it that is really appealing to people. So, so group training, like a bunch of people in a room on spin bikes. Right, the really dangerous stuff where one person's in a room telling 60 people to do burpees and get on a treadmill and sprint their ass off. You know, like, but what the, 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 the pros of that is that there is community, which is powerful. It's very, it's, it's appealing to people. Um, and you get to reach a lot more people than what I do, you know? So yeah. if you could put something, really great. If you come, if I, I knew if I can come up with something that I thought was incredibly safe and effective, then I'm going to do it. Um, nobody told, told me the first rule of, of, of owning a business, which is don't use your own money. But I decided to use my own money because I didn't know any different. I don't have a background in business, by the way. I do. You know? I use my own money because I believe in what I'm doing. And, right. And I use other people's money too. Yeah. Because exactly. I don't have enough money. Exactly. But, you know, there's that. But I started the studio. Um, you know, I had a horrible um, uh, contractor, didn't do the work, put one person on the job. So I was down there. I was cutting flooring. I wanted to get this place up and going. And I came up with the concept on a, on a plane ride out to New York. I was, I was sitting on a plane and, you know, kind of putting pressure on myself to come up with something that I thought was going to be, you know, fantastic. And man, when you get the, uh, you know, you get the brain... Um, uh, moving on something that you're very passionate about and you know you get to be creative it's a lot of fun and that's the fun part the hard part comes after you built it and then you're like oh how do i get people you know i don't you know how am i gonna get people in here um but the the idea came to me on a plane and and you know the climber has um it's it's you know it's the cross crawl motion it's it's a it's an innate uh, primitive movement. I knew that you couldn't get hurt on it, but it was really, really hard. It's also good for your brain. It's so, by the way, that's one of the things. It's actually the only piece of equipment that works both hemispheres of the brain, right? The crawling motion is something that, uh, you know, they rehab people that are paraplegics and they start to get them back. They learn how to crawl. I, I had to relearn how to crawl as an adult. So I learned how to read when I was 18 months. I just read when I was a kid. I didn't move very much. So I had all wow. kinds of weird movement stuff. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it does. It does. It so, yeah, like my cross crawl was all screwed. Probably still is. Right. They tell, you know, 
parents yeah. to let them let the kids crawl until yeah. you know it's it's developmental. But having that knowledge and understanding, I was like, I was like, wow, we're gonna we're gonna center it all on this, you know, this crawling, climbing motion. Uh, but it was really, really hard. It's not something, you know, in my mind, I knew that, you know, it had to be an hour long. And I started questioning that. And I got on the climber and I started doing these tempos to music because I love music. I'm classically trained and I, I grew up with music. And it's, you know, it's, it's something that has always been a part of my life. Um, and I appreciate it and, and love it. But I, I came up with this, this tempo training when, you know, with, with, with music uh, on the climber. And then, you know, the creative side started going, what else can we do? You know, how can we make this different? And 30 minutes really kind of hit home. You don't need to train, you know, condition for an hour. I wouldn't put anybody through an hour it, long, you know. It's miserable. It doesn't it, make any sense. And it doesn't work. Exactly. Like all the data I have is, is like five minutes, three times a week is, is enough. I mean, that's what we're doing at Upgrade Labs, right? Right. Yeah. So mm-hmm. this, you know, the climber that's nearly impossible. We used to torture athletes on it. I figured out a way. I cracked the code on this thing and it was fucking fun. You got on there with amazing music with these beats. And if you put these different types of songs in, 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 you know, in back to back and they have different tempos and you do different moves on it, the workout takes care of itself because you're kind of like dancing and you're getting lost in the music. It's a lot of fun. And then, you know, I'm, I'm a, I love live music and I was at a Nine Inch Nails concert and Oh, I've seen them live once. They're so good. Yeah. They're so good live. Yeah, Reznor can bring it. He's he's the man, and it it impacted me. I was like, wow, yeah, I'm like jumping around. I'm like I'm getting a workout. That's a community fitness style. You know what I'm saying? So it, but the the environment. So I I really kind of pushed myself, and we were the first to really implement uh, lighting with the music. It's kind of like a an EQ with the music, but it was distracting, so that you don't have to you know focus on how horrible the class was. Right. So this whole thing came together and it was just a lot of fun. And, you know, at a, at a certain point, you know, it sparked interest with Mark Cuban. He reached out um, and we had a lot of people that wanted to buy it. And man, I wish I would have sold it when I had the chance. Um, yeah, a lot of us have said that before. You know, so, it's right. like, you know, LeBron James was going, we trained Lady Gaga there. It was like, this thing was hot. And this was pre-COVID. Um, so... You know, Mark Cuban came on and I was, you know, I, I was flabbergasted. If, you know, I couldn't believe that this guy was going to you know, take interest in, in Rise Nation. So I flew down to Dallas and, you know, I had to pitch all this stuff to him and this board. It's just me. I didn't know what I was doing, but I was passionate about it. I knew everything there is to know about it. Corrected them, told them what was up. He liked it enough that he invested and, you know, COVID happened and, just devastated the group training. Um, a lot of people went out of business. I'm, you know, I d- just recently paid off the landlords for different locations that, you know, back rent. I can't believe nobody's talking about small businesses and, you know, what landlords were able to do on a technicality and just ruin us. The U.S. government has been at war with small businesses in the middle class for a long time. I didn't that know was, this. That was a major, major win for them, COVID. They, they, they shut down yeah. so much of the middle class is now poor. And a lot of small entrepreneurs just got taken. It, it, it hurt all of us. Nobody was looking out for us. Nobody was helping us. You know, we didn't have PPP because everybody is, you know, independent contractor. And, you know, so we didn't receive any of the funds. And these landlords just, there was no compassion. There was no empathy whatsoever. 
uh, from these landlords and on a technicality that came after us. And, you know, it's, it's, it's ruined Rise Nation. It's really, really impacted us. Um, Do you still yeah. have it? Are you going to shut it down? Like- I mean, look, we had, you know, we were before COVID, we were expanding and Mark Cuban was excited and he was ready to invest in our expansion. And we had, uh, you know, LA, Miami, Dallas, um, uh, Australia, Melbourne, Australia. We went into the Philippines and Manila and we went into Denver and we were starting this expansion and we started a second space in, in, in Plano, Texas. And then COVID hit and we, we had to shut everything down because we also realized after COVID that the, the game is different. And, you know, what we needed was smaller studios that were more efficient. And, you know, we're kind of in a, in a waiting kind of in limbo whether or not to move forward on that or not, which is sad. You know, it's, it's 10 years. It's, it's survived a lot. Mm-hmm. It was an amazing um, venture for me. Um, I'm proud of it. But sometimes you have to know when the writing's on the wall. You know, I, I, I don't have these, you know, the, that kind of structure. I have really, really smart, good people around me um, that are looking out for me who I talk to, which is really nice to have, you know. Um, I never had that before. I was just dumb and got to have the right advisors, man. Yeah. It, it's kind of like if, if you have one of these, you know, celebrities, like I don't need a trainer. Like, Maybe you do. Right. And same thing, you know, you got to have your people, but right. the problem that, that I think you're facing here is one that they don't talk about a lot in entrepreneur spaces and all, you know, you mentioned with celebrities, like they're surrounded by people who want something from them. Always. Right. Always, right? So they, they take advantage. Little, well, they get a little bit paranoid because they've all been taken advantage of, right? And then, so you only can be friends with your really old friends who still are suspects, mm-hmm. or you can be friends with other celebrities because they're already famous and rich. So at least they don't need that from right. you, right? So it's, it's, it's crazy. Toxic. Making, it's a right? weird environment. I haven't worked with as many as you, but, but plenty. And entrepreneurs have the same thing, even if you're a relatively small entrepreneur, but it's wealth managers. It's people providing services for entrepreneurs and, you know, even a lot of investors, venture investors, yeah. right? They'll come in and they'll do the same thing. And so there's that same level of, that same level of like predatory energy, like what's in it for me that goes towards, you know, a young hot founder, yeah. even though I guess neither one of us is young, but we're still hot founders <laughs> um, anyway. And so um, I've, I've noticed that yeah. over my career and it's, uh, it's a little disconcerting because they don't really warn you about it. Disconcerting is disheartening. Um, I have been taken advantage of so many times. I understand. I understand why people are um, so upset, and you know, um, there's there's from the smallest to the largest. There's a lot of corruption. Um, there's a lot of lying. Um, in the media, so people have a really hard time understanding what is right, what is true. Um, you know, I, I've been taken advantage of the, the first person that I had that was managing my money took total advantage of me, and seventy some year old lady, you know, and I, I had total trust and blindness, you know, it was just blind trust, blind faith. And she took full advantage and didn't do her job and um, nearly ruined me. And then after that, I had uh, uh, a lawyer who was the guy. And these guys take an oath. You know, they're supposed to do the right thing yeah. and work for you. And he saw an opportunity because, you know, Mark Cuban came on and um, 
You know, I, I, Mark Cuban was like, look, I'm going to give you this amount of money to pay for your lawyer. I'm going to have my lawyers who are on retainer do all the heavy lifting. Yep. They'll redline it. No big deal. This should be easy. So, you know, all is said and done, you pay the guy the money that Mark Cuban allotted for him. And then I get a bill for $60,000 from him. I'm like, what the fuck? You know, what is this? And he's like, mm-hmm. oh, these are for overages. And I was like, over for what? Mark's people did all... And this is a practice that he does. I found out because someone that left his practice because of the amoral crap that's going on, somehow I, the word got to him and he told me that this is, a pra- this is his business practice that he does. He waits a couple of years, he sends you a notice, and most people, what do they do? They settle because that's what your lawyers are telling you you have to do because it's not a lot of money. Yep. And I was like, nah. I was like, I was, you don't, you pick a fight with me and on principle alone, and so I'm still in a legal bout. I'm going to court in March mm-hmm. to fight this guy. Yeah, I used to settle. <laughs> um, and, and I'll just, I'll, I'll tell you this. Um, if you do that, it sucks your soul. And exactly. I, I'm perfectly happy to absolutely, when someone is, is taking advantage of the legal system to screw me, it's like, okay, I'm all in. Yeah. Like one of us is going to walk away and I know I'm right. Yeah. Right. You so, know what it felt like to me? It felt yeah. like that first moment, that first yeah. story I told no, you it, about the bully. It's, it's abusive bullying from from um, all these just stupid lawsuits. I'm not going to put yeah. up with it. So ultimately, this, this is a hard thing for entrepreneurs because we want to focus on our business. And you actually want to focus on making the world a better place. And you get a predator, you're like, just go away. Yeah. But I've, I've just changed my tune towards that. I'm like, all right, I am willing to, to sell everything I have and pay my attorneys. And, yeah. you know, at the end of the day, if, you're still there after I've spent everything I have fighting you, then right. we're going to have to talk about it in a different way. Right. But the bottom line is, I'm not a victim. and I didn't want to be a victim. Yeah. And well, I started feeling that weird like victim mentality. And I was like, no, 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 no. No. It's not because of that, but I also did not want that feeling yeah. of being a victim. I've, I've had people embezzle money multiple times. Um, I've had, you know, huge betrayals. Yeah. Um, things it people, is. People betrayal. would never imagine. Perfect word. Yeah. And so th- this is the painful part of being an entrepreneur that, mm. that you don't talk about. I run a, a group with, uh, with Vishen Lakhiani, the guy who runs Mind Valley, and Naveen Jain. That's called the Apollo Group. It's like a $100,000 mastermind. You know, we have a, a small group of people who get together regularly, travel places, and like the three of us are mentoring them on, um, are mentoring our group on, you know, the, the stuff that they don't tell you about growing and scaling, hitting really right. big levels. And the stuff you hear, man, every successful entrepreneur has these things, but we don't usually talk about it because it, it kind of, it, it kind of feels like, you know, you're a victim and you don't want to talk about it. And there's always some like shame, like how could I made that decision and all. It's not, is, no, it's not very motivating either. No, you know? uh, reality is, you know, we're all doing our best. And at the time it looks like a good decision, Yeah, but I can think of at least, Two decisions I've made, each of which cost me a hundred million dollars that I don't have now. It's not that I had a hundred million I lost, but there was I mean, very bad, clear. but not that bad. Oh yeah, Oof. twice. Right. Yeah. Right. One time I was like, that board seat probably should have made a different choice, or another yeah. time, you know, that one executive I hired um, should have made a different call. You know, right. the first time I knew I should have fired that person, I should have fired him, and I didn't. And look at the damage they wrought. Well, let me ask you yeah. this: did, did you see the good? The windows that opened, you know, the the good that came from this, or was it, you know, can you use this as an important 
Are there lessons to be learned? Mm. I'm trying to do that for myself. Oh, man. You want to do that right now? Let's do it. Yeah. All right. This is more what I do in my neuroscience thing. So this is called 40 Years of Zen. Yeah. And we've had about 1,500 celebrities. Yeah. It's called celebrity brain training, right? Um, But we make hardware and software that goes on your brain. And what happens when there's something bullying, whether it's, you know, bullying Mm. from an attorney who's, you know, just making stupid claims because they know that they're going to get something Um, or whether it's going back to seventh grade, doesn't really matter. Um, These are traumatic. And, you know, trauma is a word I used to respond to. I was like, don't be stupid. Like I'm not bleeding. It wasn't a trauma, but you can wound someone's, uh, someone spiritually or emotionally. And it's actually an injury and it needs to heal. But we don't talk about that. We don't see it as an injury. Right, you you date a narcissist or work for one, and like they will harm your soul, right? And they're not even aware they're doing it half the time. Sociopaths are aware, but narcissists. Sociopath, yeah, yeah. A lot of those out here. God, no kidding, right there. (laughs) Flock to it. So you're in in this situation, and you're you now can do what you did when you were younger. You're like, all right, I'm gonna like I'm gonna use the anger as a spark to, to change. The problem is that most people use anger as a fuel source, not a spark, right? So if you use anger as fuel, it'll burn you up. But if you use it as a spark, it'll create change, right? So then after you've got the, like the motivation, the surge of cortisol, adrenaline, Mm -hmm. and like that, like, I will not let this happen again, right? Well, then you have to go to, uh, this is my my most recent book I, I wrote about. It's called The Reset Mode, and it's the core of what we're doing in 40 Years of Zen. It's forgiveness. So what you do? Oh, that's a good one. I need I yeah. I need to learn this because it, it's hard, man. It, I don't want it anymore. I know that it doesn't yeah. serve me. You know, I know that it, this it, is really it's the feeling. Yeah, but there's there's you a couple can, people though that I'm just like I can, can drop I can it. I can drop all these things, but these two things really yeah really you know pissed me off, really hurt me because they took advantage. And they hurt you every day. And it's the betrayals that hurt the most. Betrayal, man. Like, it's someone you trust, you let them into your inner circle, and then yeah. you're like, did you really do that? Yeah. And uh, I, I had God, one... the worst. I had one employee. I, uh, I looked at her, and I, and I said, she had told me we were going to lose a couple million bucks. We lost more than $20 million. Mm-hmm. And, and it was a total surprise. And, and I'm like, did, did you just burn through all of my venture funding? Wow. Like in one year and, and every week, tell me we weren't doing it. And, and, and it was, that was just shocking. But the big thing was the, it wasn't my fault because I'm a good person. Well, nobody wants to take accountability. Yeah. And, and then it was like, I don't even well, know what that word means. Yeah. And at the very end, when, when I was like, okay, you know, this job is over, to hear, you should give me more stock options. Oh yeah, and I'm like, why? Yeah. Like, you, you, and the the answer was so yeah disturbing because it wasn't the answer of a healthy person. And I just was okay. It's on me. I I let I let this happen. Right. I didn't have tight enough controls. I, you know, I had too much trust. Whatever. Like, yeah, like yeah. it is on you, and it's on you too, right? You uh-huh. let these guys in. Um. So what you do this forgiveness thing isn't to say what they did was all right. It's actually an energetic shift in your brain and in your heart at the same time. Right. That's what we teach with the electrodes on your head. But what you got to do is you got to forgive the other person and process this in the book. You know, it's, it's easy enough to do, but right. it's actually not that easy for this. It's sometimes you need coaching. And then 
you turn around and you forgive yourself. And forgiveness, it's just turning off the reactivity to it. It's a thing you do in your heart. There's a specific sensation to it. And when that happens, you can talk about it. You can look the person in the eye and there's no energy at all in the body. Yeah. It's just something. Same thing, like the guy who whacked you in the head, same thing there. Like you got another one there. I I could see that. Yeah. So when when you do that, it's weird. It's like your body is processing all this. It's always looking for the next threat. It stops doing that. Yeah. So then you can be at peace with it, right? And then you can move on and, and it's just lighter and everything in life feels easier. Yeah. So I want it. Well, well, if you want to come up to 40 years of Zen, you know, I, I know a guy. Yeah. Uh, but the other thing you could try, EMDR. You ever heard of that? Mm-hmm. You can do EMDR for business trauma. There's no reason you can't. Okay. Right? So that might be a way to just take the edge off. Yeah. But yeah, the, the amount of betrayal, even from family that I've experienced as I became more successful, it's pretty shocking. Yeah. And, you, you know, I could walk around wounded with that, or I could walk around with wisdom from that. You see a lot. I don't have the the the, the family um, scars that most people do. Most people I know have some kind of trauma from their childhood, girl I date. You know, um, for example, um, you know, I I don't know it, things like an employee. This is an example of uh, an employee that I put in. You know, gave him the opportunity to train Lady Gaga at Rise Nation. He was a dancer. And um, at the time, good kid, you know, um, mentored him. He became a very good trainer or a very good instructor, I should say, not a trainer. And then all of a sudden, I get a notice that he was going to be leaving and going with Lady Gaga on to her tour to train her. The guy didn't know, what the, you know how to train somebody, but he lied to her and told her that he was a trainer. And so when I spoke to him, I was like, when did this happen? Because, you know, as far as I know, you had a dance background. He goes, I'm a dancer, Jason. I know how to do this. You know, like more or less like just shit all over, you know, the years of experience and, you know, knowledge <laughs> that, that I have and thinks that he can take on this mega, you know, very like, you know, um, expensive and wealthy and, and, a, and a huge product uh, project with Lady Gaga. And I'm just like, who, 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 why, who does this? And of course, once Lady Gaga's people found out about it because Bradley Cooper, you know, I trained Bradley Cooper and he's close to Lady Gaga. And I was like, I can't believe this guy thinks he's going to train her. He doesn't know what he's doing, you know? And it's a big responsibility. He doesn't see it. He just wants yeah. that. He wants to take advantage. A celebrity, yeah. And uh, she fired him and he came back and begged me just, you know. And here I am thinking, I'm going to forgive this guy. I'm wow, gonna... did you let him back in? I forgave him and I thought, wow, if he's got the, you know, the balls to come back and actually wow. confront me. He fucked you twice as hard the next time, didn't he? He fucked me twice as hard the next time because yeah. he was resentful um, and he had a plan in mind. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, once we, he found out I was coming to the studio to fire him, he just didn't show up. He had a room full of people. He just left them there. He didn't even like, oh, it was horrible. It was just shitty. What a shitty fucking person, you know? Like, it just sucks. I mean, he's got his motives, but... Then he went and worked for the, the the company that I actually put on the map, which is you know Versa Climber, and wow. yeah, and he gave them my trade secret. Just this whole thing, you know. I have a, a similar situation with an employee, yeah. um, not not at Bulletproof, another one. Yeah, you know, 
I took this person under my wing. They lied straight to my face. Uh, and then, you know, let the person go. And, and to this day, she's out there saying she did all sorts of work for me. She never did. Using my name yeah. uh, and then saying bad things about me while using my right. name. Right. Uh, and I'm like, this is so bizarre because, yeah. you know, gave you a shot and, you know, the accountability is not there. The, the mistake that you made there, because you asked me to, to help out on this. Yeah, not, I thought criticism. it was <laughs> So it's that you don't understand what forgiveness is. And this is something I really have had to work on. This is at the core of, of okay. why I do that part of my business. Forgiveness isn't ever speaking to the other person again. Forgiveness isn't ever uh, uh, telling them you forgive them, uh, right? And it's not condoning their action. It's just changing your energetics mm. so that it doesn't hurt anymore. So you don't hold the grudge, right? Right. So what you learn over time, and this is why like, I, I do the mentorship thing with the Apollo group too, is that if I had the right mentorship, or maybe if I had the humility yeah. to listen to the mentors I did have, um, then I would have known that for this type of person, the only thing to do is sever ties and no communication. There is no upside right. to trying to fix the narcissist, trying to repair it, right. because their whole operating system is to create an emotional trigger in you. They don't care if you're happy or sad. They just want to be in control of you. So they'll do something, and because you're a good person, you're going to say, well, hey, let me do something that helps you. And you expect them to help you back. And then when they screw you, then mm-hmm. you help them again to show, because yeah. it must be a mistake. So Because you know that the healthy, normal people, you help them, they help you. And like that's what builds society. Well, So we thought. So what, it, what happened here, it was predictable. Because there's that, that first betrayal. It's like, okay, I'll do something nice again because you're a good person because mm-hmm. you're forgiving. Right. You thought forgiveness meant giving them another chance. What forgiveness was, was you being non-reactive and you also having boundaries and respect for the other people on the team. So when I, had, I see that situation in the people I'm mentoring or in my own companies. Right. No, I'm sorry, you're out. And it's different than someone who makes a mistake. It's someone who betrays you. You don't get a second chance. Right. Right. That's and, a very yeah. in, important distinction. Mistakes yeah. versus betrayal. Yeah. You know, because it's premeditated. Oh, yeah. You know, that's, that's, you're dealing with someone who's got more of a psychological issue than, the, they, yeah. The premeditated stuff. And if mistakes you ever, going to happen all the time. If you ever get in a, in a legal situation, you see the level of premeditation. I mentioned a family member. I had a family member absolutely premeditate to steal one of my business up, out from underneath me. Mm-hmm. And after we did all the discovery and we saw all the stuff, I'm like, holy shit, I yeah. thought you could trust family. And the bottom line is, no, every person's a person. Doesn't matter if they're family. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Um, God, you know, it's, it's, it's nice to hear. I mean, tough, but it's nice to hear that I'm not, you know, alone because I don't, you're, I put my head down. I every, I don't talk a lot yeah. anymore, you know? Like the, the media, they have, they have, you know, uh, a story that they want. And a lot of times when you talk to them, which I used to, I used to think it was really important to do these things. And now I don't as, as much anymore, but you know, they, they control the narrative and they're going to put what they want, no matter what they chop it and they edit it into these things. And it's just so disappointing. So I'm like, just decided to start removing myself from, you know, I don't want to educate people. I don't want to put videos out there. I don't want to do all these things. I just want to do my work, work mm-hmm. on my projects. And then, you know, Nation was a great, like, addition and kept me very busy. It definitely educated me in a lot of ways, brought a lot of really bad people to the surface, to be completely honest. And I learned a lot from that. 
you know, and you know, I I, I just started another company, um, Rise Three Eleven. Um, I recognized that uh, it was built out of necessity, actually, because my clients couldn't digest whey protein or whey protein isolate. You know, the gold standard been taking pro- you know protein since the sure. 80s you know so i know all about it and uh you know so i just i you know i, I reached out to a friend of mine that understands sourcing and, and the way of putting you know um um elements together to create really great products and you know he's ethical and he's a good person and so i talked to him and you know another friend of his and we had this idea to create a you know, a plant-based protein that had all of the benefits away, which didn't exist at the time. It still doesn't. I mean, now it does, but it, that was the motivation. You know, mm-hmm. it was like if you if you if there's some there's nothing out there for you, and you need something, and create it. Mm-hmm. You know, that was Yvonne was the was the guy who kind of sparked that because he created um, you know gear for climbing uh, out of necessity and created a whole empire yeah. on it. Well, I mean, Bulletproof Coffee, back when I ran that company, when I started it, it was, I need my brain to work. And right. I'm, I'm very happy with Danger Coffee now, which is my new coffee company. But same thing, you know, you, you evolve and, yeah. and you grow. And right. so what you needed there was some good protein. And so I'm, I'm still skeptical that plant-based is going to be the equivalent of Wave, but I'm willing to be proven wrong. You know, I'll, 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 I'll make sure that I bring some to you and I'll let you try it and I'll talk about the science behind it. Good deal. I'm I'm up for the conversation. Because I was the same way. I'm like you know because way or plant based, you know, all the protein gets bound up in the in the fiber, you know. Yeah, and all the other shit that's in plants that you don't want to put in your body on a regular basis. Exactly. You know, or at least not in large amounts. I look, I look forward to it. it. It'll be fun. Yeah. But but you said something in there that was interesting. You, you talked about kind of feeling lonely, and and what what's creeping up on you uh, is bitterness. Yeah. Right. Because when when you take a certain number of hits. Even if you know you have an open heart and you're looking to be of service and all this stuff, you're like, man, like, like, you know, it's not worth it. It only takes so much. Yeah, and that's why you have you know communities of of entrepreneurs who work together. Most people don't hear about that kind of stuff, mm. um, but it, it's a loneliness because you don't know who to trust, and then you just you you take some hits that are that are pretty severe, and then if you can master that forgiveness thing, then you can still walk around at peace. And otherwise like it builds up and it builds up and it builds up and you get, yeah, you get kind of tighter and tighter and you're like, I just want to do this, but why do people keep screwing with it? I know. And I, yeah, you're hitting the nail on the that. head with me. This I've, is, had to, this I've had is to do who I am myself. at this point. You know, I'm, I recognize it, yeah. which I think is part of the, you know, half the battle. I recognize it. I'm, I'm getting older and I don't, I want, I want joy in my life, you know, yeah. and I, I've been working so hard up until this point. I've left no room for that. Yeah. And I've created a lot of bitterness and mistrust. I don't trust anybody. Yep. You got to bring trust back in. Yeah. And this will help you too. You ever see the interview with the founder of NVIDIA? Mm. You know who NVIDIA is, right? Largest uh, graphics card chip maker, like oh. like a $100 billion yeah. company or something. Okay. This guy started it from scratch. They used to make video game cards You know, when yeah. we were in our 20s. And someone asked him, what, would you, what advice would you give yourself when you were 19, when you started the company. And he, he thought about it and he said, don't do it. Right? I thought that. Yeah, build a $100 billion company. Be a hell of a lot easier to work for somebody else and do the nine to five thing. And It is know, a lot easier to work for somebody hell, else. It, yeah. Yeah. Um, Problem it, is, is I've got a lot of opinions. I'm opinionated <laughs> and, and, and I don't want to work for anybody else. Yeah, I'm not meant to work for other people either. No. 
so the, the you're in a situation a lot of people get to. Yeah. Uh, and you know, people do all kinds of stuff, vision quests and all these things. But uh, uh, I find that being in a community of people who've also been there before is one of the yeah. most powerful things. So you got your your recipe. EMDR might help on some of this stuff. Mm. Check check out Forty Years Zen, and I'm not trying to sell you on no, this stuff. Listen, um, you know, but I'm, but that, that real specific, like you got to pull the like pull the barbs out, basically. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so that you can move freely. Right. It's nice speaking to somebody that knows exactly what I'm going oh, through man, and what I've yeah. been through. Yeah. And it's probably not even an inkling of what it, you've had. It's the same level of emotional yeah. intensity. I can yeah. pick that up on you. It's not like the number of dollars changes the level of emotional intensity. Like it, it's the same pain. Yeah. Right. Um, but yeah, I've I've had several just stuff that if 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 people who are fans of the show, if you guys knew all the shit that I've dealt with mm-hmm. in the last five years, uh, you would not. It would not even compute, right? Yeah. And I'm not saying that to say, look at me, I'm bragging or I'm suffering or whatever, but just that thing when I started Bulletproof, it was Bulletproof, the state of high performance. But what was behind it was resilience, yeah. right? And there's biological resilience and there's emotional resilience and there's spiritual resilience. So I put a lot of resources into building resilience and I've dealt with a lot of stuff, which mm. has probably made me better at resilience. But right. yeah, I teach physical resilience. Yeah. And that's my goal with my clients mm-hmm. is to give them, turn them on, let them understand what true strength is. Yeah. You know, I think everything in the fitness industry is pretty much fluff. It's, you know, bubble gum and, you know, cotton candy kind of crap. You know, it's the, it's an industry that really thrives on the gullibility of, of the public. And that sucks. You know, like I don't want to be a part of that. Yeah. You know, but so what I do want to be a part of is is inspiring people and turning them on to what I think is the the the, the hierarchy and 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 you know the strength and the resiliency and what it gives them. It's empowering and it's amazing to see that switch triggered. Mm-hmm. You know, I did that with Brie Larson. She couldn't even open a bottle of water, and then by the end of it, she was pound for pound. Allison Brie, these girls. It's fun training these girls because they don't think that they're capable. Of, they think they're capable of so much, and then you take them beyond that. That's cool. And it's just awesome. It's like I, that's that's what keeps me going. I see, love see, those moments. The way you were there, you're like it's just awesome. It's just awesome. You're supposed to be that way all the time. I know. And and it's the betrayals that take that away. Yeah. So you got to remove the power to do that. Yeah. It'll, it'll take you between I look to be, it, between man. a week and three months. If yeah. now that you know the problem there, yeah. And it's something you're probably not going to do by yourself. Like there's things where you just you need a, a buddy, you need a therapist, you need yeah. like you need help with that. It's, it's really hard to come to those things. Right. Um, and it doesn't take psychedelics. I look forward to it. Doesn't take psychedelics? No, you don't. You don't have to do it. Some people choose that path, but yeah. I'm, I'm not opposed to it. I, I like psychedelics. I, I think it was fantastic. Yeah. I did it at my concerts, and oof, man. Yeah. Um, yeah. And maybe, may, maybe that's a way to work on this. <laughs> yeah. <but>. You know, <laughs> maybe. <laughs> yeah, mushrooms are pretty pretty incredible. They, they are, but I don't think mushrooms get to this kind of stuff. It no, just, it needs a structured approach. I've been there before. Yeah. It masks. Nice. Jason, it's been a pleasure ah, to chat with you. Great, man. I, I feel like I have a, a, a you know a, somebody in my corner at this point, and I yeah. really appreciate the advice, and and I'll take that to heart and, and work on that. Maybe next time I'm on your podcast, we'll you know come back and talk about my experience through 40 years. That's a, that's a good plan. We'll we'll do that, and yeah. uh, and we'll talk about your new protein, and I can drink it and make faces. I I can't wait. I'm going to convince you. <laughs> I promise, man. Thank awesome. you so much. Thanks, Thanks man. Bro. Appreciate it. 
You're listening to The Human Upgrade with Dave Asprey. The Human Upgrade, formerly Bulletproof Radio, was created and is hosted by Dave Asprey. The information contained in this podcast is provided for informational purposes only and is not intended for the purposes of diagnosing, treating, curing, or preventing any disease. Before using any products referenced on the podcast, consult with your healthcare provider, carefully read all labels, and heed all directions and cautions that accompany the products. Information found or received through the podcast should not be used in place of a consultation or advice from a healthcare provider. If you suspect you have a medical problem or should you have any healthcare questions, please promptly call or see your healthcare provider. This podcast, including Dave Asprey and the producers, disclaim responsibility for any possible adverse effects from the use of information contained herein. Opinions of guests are their own, and this podcast does not endorse or accept responsibility for statements made by guests. This podcast does not make any representations or warranties about guest qualifications or credibility. This podcast may contain paid endorsements and advertisements for products or services. Individuals on this podcast may have a direct or indirect financial interest in products or services referred to herein. This podcast is owned by Bulletproof Media. The Human Upgrade, formerly Bulletproof Radio, was created and is hosted by Dave Asprey. The information contained in this podcast is provided for informational purposes only and is not intended for the purposes of diagnosing, treating, curing, or preventing any disease. Before using any products referenced on the podcast, consult with your healthcare provider, carefully read all labels, and heed all directions and cautions that accompany the products. Information found or received through the podcast should not be used in place of a consultation or advice from a healthcare provider. If you suspect you have a medical problem or should you have any healthcare questions, please promptly call or see your healthcare provider. This podcast, including Dave Asprey and the producers, disclaim responsibility for any possible adverse effects from the use of information contained herein. Opinions of guests are their own, and this podcast does not endorse or accept responsibility for statements made by guests. This podcast does not make any representations or warranties about guest qualifications or credibility. This podcast may contain paid endorsements and advertisements for products or services. Individuals on this podcast may have a direct or indirect financial interest in products or services referred to herein. This podcast is owned by Bulletproof Media.